So thank you everyone for coming. I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we gather, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and acknowledge the elders past and present. Uh, all of the staff at Legal Aid were recently asked to attend the First Peoples exhibition at the Melbourne Museum. And if you haven't been, I highly recommend it. Like the exhibition today, it really highlights how recently our laws and practices in Australia expressly discriminated against our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians. And I'd also like to welcome our special guests, Gender and Sexuality Commissioner Rowena Allen, Rachel Hamilton and Sean Mulcahy from the Victorian Gay and Lesbian Rights Lobby, uh, Lee Carney of the Human Rights Law Centre, um, and we have members from the Australian Gay and Lesbian Archives here today who put this wonderful exhibition together. So my name is Amy Cooper. I'm the Deputy Managing Lawyer of the Equality Law Program here at Victoria Legal Aid, and I have a pleasure, the pleasure of introducing Mr Jamie Gardner as our first speaker today. As a long-time human rights activist, uh, Mr Gardner requires little introduction. Uh, Mr Gardner spearheaded the campaign to decriminalise gay sex in Victoria in the 1970s, which finally succeeded with the law reform passing in 1980. He was then instrumental in the development of Victoria's anti-discrimination laws, uh, and he was a Commission member of the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission for nearly 10 years, from 2000 to 2009. He's never stopped campaigning for LGBTI rights, helping drive the expungement scheme for historical homosexual convictions and the recent historic state apology for the past criminalisation of homosexual sex. He is currently a member of the LGBTI Task Force, advising the Minister for Equality to identify government priorities and ensure policy, programs and services are inclusive of LGBTI communities. We're honoured to have Mr Gardner speak to us today about the history of the decriminalisation of gay sex in Victoria and the importance of the recent state apology. So please join me in welcoming Mr Gardner. So, thanks, Amy. Uh, I too acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet and uh, uh, acknowledge their elders past and present, anyone who's here today. Uh, as the Commissioner also often says, we also acknowledge the elders of our own LGBTI communities, uh, and uh, some of them are here today too. The exhibition here is a, is a wonderful testament in a way to its own success. This exhibition was set up in Queen's Hall, we love that term, in Parliament, <laughs> uh, in the week of the State Apology. That was done both to set the background, to enable members of Parliament and the public to see a bit about how it came about, what things were like and why it was needed. Uh, and uh, it was actually taken down, not at the end of the fourth day that was promised, but halfway through that fourth day, so I missed seeing it uh, on the, in that week, having been too busy with the actual apology to see the exhibition. So I'm delighted to be able to go through it today, and I recommend that if you haven't read all the panels yet, you should. I'm going to try not to repeat them. The connection between... There are several connections between the apology and the decriminalisation. The uh, most obvious one, of course, is the apology. 
is the, is the apology by the State of Victoria expressed through its Parliament and a resolution of the Parliament and in the splendid speech by the Premier and many other members of Parliament, an apology for laws that as the Parliament recognised should never have existed. Offences that should never have been offences. Crimes that were not crimes. So it was an apology for what was repealed in 1981. Getting some idea of just how difficult life was, you may get it from reading some of these panels about the legal and the social difficulties that beset gay men in particular, but lesbians too, although they were not criminalised, uh, never were in Victoria or in British system. Um, although, as one of the panels does point out, there was an attempt in the British Parliament to do so in 1921. The, uh, there's a sort of long-standing piece of pseudo-fact, even precedes internet rumours, suggesting that it didn't happen in 1885 because no one dared tell Queen Victoria about it, but this is nonsense. Uh, and uh, people look through the cabinet records at the time, and they didn't really even pay any attention to the fact that a private member was adding, adding um, what became known as the Love Share Amendment, which is the law under which Oscar Wilde was uh, convicted. The late night addition to a bill about something else, and uh, we got a really bad criminalisation out of uh, really a particular morals crusader's whim, as say, by accident almost. In Victoria, we didn't get around to doing the 1885 Amendment, which criminalised something called gross indecency between male persons. And that was with or without consent, so it was with consent, and it was in public or in private, which meant it was, as was said at the time, the Blackmailers' Charter. In Victoria... Throughout the British Empire, uh, on the whole, imperial statutes were copied slavishly by the colonial legislatures. didn't happen in Victoria, I don't know why. And when in 1919 the police decided for reasons that aren't clear that they wanted it done at last, or there was some particular panic that I came in, uh, they, uh, there was a debate in 1919 and indeed, at least some members of Parliament, including the leader of the Labour Party, said, I don't know why we need this. And indeed, they reduced it considerably from the harsh law proposed by the police. But still, gross indecency between male persons joined the ancient, as it says around here, dates back to Henry VIII and earlier, the abominable crime of buggery, which for some odd reason these... these panels refer to as sodomy. I've never understood why, since it's very clear, the abominable crime of buggery. Probably the only statute which uh, declares a crime to be abominable. And it should never have been, and the Parliament has said so. When the Homosexual Law Reform Coalition was uh, begun in uh, 1976, the beginning of 1976, uh, the uh, The law was uh, the most the most damaging law at the time was actually 
loitering for homosexual purposes. And that, as you'll read in these slides, became uh, the most damaging to ordinary gay people's lives. Buggery had ceased to be a major crime, but in fact we now know it ceased to be a capital crime in 1949, but it has ceased to be used much, except in cases of rape, or so they tell us. But we now know from the expungement process that the crime of buggery was used extensively, even against, in consenting cases, such as are now going through the, through the expungement process. 1975, uh, in fact, was when South Australia, uh, on the private member's bill of Peter Duncan, who later became Attorney General of the Dunstan government, uh, did what was actually at that stage unique. It did a proper, South Australia did a proper full equality law reform. They made the law no longer make a distinction between heterosexual and homosexual sex, and that's what we wanted in Victoria. The first homosexual law reform bill introduced into Victoria was actually attempted by Barry Jones in when he was a state member of parliament in the middle of 1975, round about the same time as the South Australian one was going through. Towards the end of 76, one of the regular police purges uh, caught the attention of the media, and partly I think because our new homosexual law reform coalition and as it says up here, uh, uh, Society 5, which was the gay organisation at the time, uh, switchboard, uh, was getting more calls about police harassment of gay men. The uh, laws, uh, the, the attention of the media was drawn to the utterly improper persecution of gay men. And we had spent the year debating among ourselves whether we what we really wanted, equality of course was the answer, uh, were able to take up the issue to raise the material in the newspapers, to challenge the, the then police minister, that would call, he was called the chief secretary as I did, uh, challenge him to a debate. I was thankful that he didn't accept that challenge, but it made, it made a good TV news item. Um, and to begin the process of lobbying, of persuading, first of all, the Premier and the very small number of small L Liberals at the head of that Liberal government, Liberal Party government, became of the Premier, Haddon Story, the Attorney General, and a few others, uh, in what was, as tends to be now, a much more right-wing party, persuading them that they needed to do something, and they did. It took nearly four years, they thought it would take them six months. It took them four years to get it through their parliament, through their backbench in order to get it to parliament, where indeed, even then, some nine members of the, of the Liberal Party and all but one of the National Party voted against it at crucial stages. In 1975, just before we formed the Homosexual Law Reform Coalition, <coughs> I had had some dealings with uh, an equivalent group in England, and they had uh, talked about the need to, to when they got a law reform through, 
and what they got in 1967 was worse than nothing. Uh, when they got a real law reform through, they, they had a clause about stopping all court cases in their tracks and releasing anyone who'd been prosecuted. And I thought, well, actually, we should just expunge the criminal convictions. And I took that into the Homosexual Law Reform Coalition, and the coalition took that up immediately as one of the demands that we made in our submissions to government in 1976. And so it was rather delightful that in uh, uh, September 19, 2015, the expungement legislation came into force. Almost precisely, well, 40 years to the month at any rate, since that idea first popped up uh, in that correspondence. The law was enforced against lots of people, and it ruined many lives. Not only those who were sent to prison when they shouldn't have been, not only those who were fined when they shouldn't have been, but those who's, who were simply kicked out of their rented accommodation, lost their jobs, lost their families because of the shame of a conviction. And remember, as Premier Daniel Andrews said in Parliament, I was delighted by this, he referred to the offence of loitering for homosexual purposes as a thought crime. And it was, because there really needed to be no evidence, and there was no way of defending yourself. Policeman said you were loitering for homosexual purposes, end of story. What's even more remarkable, and I don't have time to, to tell you more about this, but just think about it. After the criminal law reform of 1980 took effect on the 1st of March 1981, the police continued to arrest people and charge them with this repealed offence. And magistrates continued to convict people and fine them, and they paid their fines for things done when they were fully legal, the offence had been repealed. Just think about that. There was a climate of persecution, which is hinted at in, these, in this exhibition, and the law was honoured more in the breach of servants. It has taken a long time to get the expungement idea from that submission to government, not only by the law reform, Homosexual Law Reform Coalition, but by the Premier's only opportunity advisory council who took up our idea. It's taken 40 years to get there. But it's going now. We have an enormous change in recognising, as Parliament said with the expungement bill, that these were offences that should never have existed. We have moved on through equal opportunity laws, and we now have a Commissioner for Gender and Sexuality. We have a Minister for Equality. We have an Equality branch in the Premier's Department for the Minister. There are changes in, changes in society have been taking place in little bits for 40 years. And we really are at the beginning of expanding that to everyone so that what used to be the case will become as incomprehensible as many of the other awful practices of the 17th, 18th and 19th centuries now. Incomprehensible, and we now acknowledge they should never have been. We repudiate the laws and we are expunging the convictions of those who come forward to seek them.